Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will get into the content for this week's show, which is episode 44, looking at the individualization of sports ideology. Get into some pretty interesting stuff for this show. But first, we will take a brief break for our show sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. And take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, we are back. And we have a very interesting show uh, for you today. This is episode 44 of Believe in Sports Law via the Blue Podcast Network. And we are talking about the individualization of sports ideology. And what we're really looking at is how really some of uh, the changes have been occurring when it comes to um, fan loyalty, right? You know, so what are we talking about with the individualization of sports ideology? It's somewhat of a play on words, right? Because ideology is normally reserved for something you deal with in politics, which is fitting considering that the election is tomorrow. But uh, it's also something to do with the fact that, like, you know, how people feel about things, how people identify with certain things. And there has been a movement in this country to move away from loyalty towards your favorite team to loyalty for your favorite player. Um, I can even speak from a sort of uh, personal experience in that. When I was growing up, for example, uh, I was a big Michael Jordan fan uh, in basketball. But of course, I had uh, no connection to Chicago whatsoever or the Midwest. Hadn't frankly never even traveled there uh, by that time. And uh, in terms of when I was when I was a uh, um, you know a young kid and a teenager, but of course, I loved watching Michael Jordan on television and I loved seeing him play. Now, of course, this was prior to the introduction of social media, the introduction of uh, um, widespread sponsorships when it comes to endorse, you know, athletes endorsing certain products. And uh, of course, you really didn't have app-based you know, or streaming-based content. You, know, you couldn't go on to ESPN's app or, or uh, Bleacher Report or what it might be to check out your um, you know, statistics or check out game results. It was pretty much you watch television and or you read the newspaper. That was it. And so, but of course, as the introduction of these things has occurred, there's been more of a um, push towards uh, individualization of sort of like um, of the athlete themselves, but also of the fan following the athlete. And sort of my appreciation for Michael Jordan was, you know, really came out of the fact that I thought he was a great basketball player and enjoyed watching him and enjoyed his, his grit and his spirit. And it was something that, um, 
you know, you could emulate in your own life in the sense of if you put your mind to something and you wanted to accomplish something, it was a way to look at it that way. But also it was mainly because the fact that you enjoyed watching him play. And frankly, you enjoyed watching him win. So I think that as these platforms have become more available, whether it be social media or app-based um you know, engagement, streaming, this sort of thing, where you can connect with your with your athlete beyond, um, you know, the television, right? Beyond linear television and what you're watching on NBC or ABC or TNT or what have you. Uh, I think that athletes have become more individualized. The fans have also be- began or begun to um, really follow the, their athletes in an individual space. Now, of course. In my circumstance, it's interesting because when I look at, let's say, a, a Michael Jordan or even a Tom Brady, right? You know, here's two players who played for essentially, um, you know, one team for their entire careers. Jordan went off and played, I think, two two seasons with the Wizards, uh, Washington Wizards, which is now back to again being the Washington Bullets over in the NBA. And of course, Tom Brady played, you know, twenty something seasons in. Um, uh, in uh, New England, and now he's in his first season of a two-year contract in Tampa Bay, and who knows where he goes after that? But he's looking, you know, fantastic at 43 years old and uh, playing at, at uh, a really high level. And some of them are saying he's in the potential for the MB- MVP conversation this year. So we'll see how that all plays out. But my point being is, is that there was always something I think to be said about following a certain player, uh, but you did it through the team. Right. You know, you know, with the Bulls, it was like you pretty much connected with Jordan through the Bulls, through the, you know, um, through the, the game that he was playing. Now you just might see uh, be like Mike commercial. You might see a Gatorade commercial, Jordan commercial, Nike commercial. But for the most part, you connected with him through the team. Of course, that's completely changed now. Right. And I think through all of that, team loyalty has taken a hit. Uh, whether you're talking about fantasy sports, social media, uh, an increase in brand partnerships, uh, athletes continue to push their image and brands into the public eye. And simultaneously, athletes have also pushed for higher salaries and individualization through their unions uh, with the league offices and team owners. And that could be for revenue splits, uh, could be for other policy considerations. But over in the NBA, for example, I believe the player split, I think it's 49.51 in terms of uh, revenue that comes in. So that's, you know, pretty much near even uh, with, you know, one extra point going to the um, the teams and, um, and the league for essentially, you know, uh, being the host of uh, venues and uh, television contracts, everything else that goes on. And frankly, it's just what they negotiated. Uh, and of course, look, it's never perfect. You know, players and teams are always going to complain about salaries and what they're making or not making or what they're paying or not paying. At the end of the day, it's kind of like what Vince Lombardi said, the great iconic coach for the Green Bay Packers, in that, you know, you, in paraphrasing, you know, when you pursue perfection, it's not obtainable, right? But you can obtain excellence. And I think there's something to be said about that and, you know, constantly moving the needle uh, in favor of your client, in favor of your interest, whatever it might be. Now, of course, with going to the brand partnerships aspect, this is something that has been expanded exponentially and will continue to do that uh, with the sort of advent of social media, but also with this really this big push in college sports for name, image, and likeness legislation. 
this has happened already in California with its Fair Pay to Play Act, which I highly encourage you to uh, check out and read up on. I wrote an article on it uh, back in April. Uh, it was published in the LA Lawyer magazine talking about that. Uh, very easy to find. There's a lot of uh, information out there on that. And you know, there's a lot of states uh, around the country that are looking at this legislation and looking at ways to implement it. Obviously, the NCAA is lobbying Congress to get maybe more of a national structure in place. And now news is coming out that schools like USC and um, I want to say it was Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin, have uh, now implemented programs where you're going to have school administrators and athletic departments helping to organize the name, image, and likeness of their student-athletes. There's a big debate about this and whether they should take the California model approach, which is very free market, very open. Uh, basically, the players do what they want, uh, albeit with some rules. You know, you can't compete with the underlying university, and you can't uh, promote uh, or rep your brand, so to speak, uh, during a you know television broadcast, you know, because that's limited to sponsors and um and the folks who um, are controlling those copyrights, right? So, uh, but again, it's sort of this, there's going to be a debate and a, uh, a debate between models. And it's going to be, is it the sort of open fair market space? Or is it going to be the regulated space where you have school administrators, administrators and athletic departments, um, you know, looking for ways to monetize or looking for ways to organize? Or is it going to be, you know, again, something more free market. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, and, you know, there's something to be said about investing time into an individual player versus a team model, right? A player on a bad team can have a great day and a fan can cheer for that. Uh, that's, you know, really, the, I mean, if that doesn't define fantasy sports, I don't know what does. But I think it's gone beyond that where, um, you know, people want to see good things, right? They want to experience good things. And, um, you know, one of my clients has this great line and, uh, it's a studio client and the line is, you know, essentially, you know, um, be good people and, and make good things. Right. And, and frankly, people like that, you know, people like to enjoy that sort of content. Right. And if you traditionally sort of cheer for a bad team and you live in a city that doesn't have a great team, tendency is to look for players or to look for teams um, that can satisfy that need to win, that need to cheer for something. Of course, you're always going to have the loyal fans, and that's to be applauded 100%. But I, I think what I'm just pointing out here is that platforms, social media, fantasy sports, brand partnerships, all of these things, the, the internet really, uh, in terms of the expansion of sports, right, the availability, the access for sports, has allowed people to go beyond the team model and get into, I want to like this player uh, versus I want to like this team. You know, so I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, like a player on a, and I was talking about Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, you know, a player on a good team can also, you know, really become legend and transcendent, right? You know, think Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, right? Arguably two of the best players in their sports uh, all time. And, um, but interestingly, those two players stuck with the same team, um, you know, for for the majority of their careers, except for the couple of years I mentioned with the Wizards for Jordan, and then obviously this year with uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Tom Brady. Uh, 
But I think the key point here is where fans, um, you know, these players were loved and followed by millions uh, and by, you know, by fans for years, right? But with no connection to the Northeast or the Midwest. And in some sense, and being completely honest, it's easier and to the heart's content and sanctity really of one's mind to forego the team model and follow their favorite player um, with less fear of being considered a bandwagon fan. Uh, Bill Simmons, the great podcaster and, and writer and former ESPN uh, host and um, you know just all around just uh, a well-respected sports um, figure, you know, talked about this in, in um, I think, his first book where he's talking about bandwagon fans and how he followed certain teams and what his connection was. There's something to be said to begin. There's something to be said, again, about uh, being a committed and loyal fan. There's also something to be said about uh, following a certain player, if you like a certain player in a certain sport, or if you don't necessarily uh, have a certain team, Right. Um, this was sort of the model for a lot of people in Los Angeles when you didn't have a football team in LA for 20 plus years. So you had a lot of fans looking other places if they didn't follow the chargers to, um, you know, when they left, uh, they were only here, I think in orange County, LA for a year or whatever it was, they were not here for very long. Um, and then of course the Rams were here for years and then moved to St. Louis chargers went to San Diego. Now the chargers are back in LA. The Rams came back to Los Angeles and of course, Oakland was here for a time before they went back to Oakland. Uh, and then now, of course, they're in Las Vegas. So, of course, you're going to have these areas that don't have teams. So, you got to find a place, right? You got to find your player, your team, or whatever. So, uh, in looking at all of that, you know, there's another ideology, sports ideology that you can follow. You know, the first is you can follow your team. The second is you can follow a player and or both. Or the third is you can just follow a sport. You can just say, I love the NFL. I like all teams. I like all players. I just like the sport. I like watching the game. You know, same could be said for baseball, NBA, NHL, or MLS. Uh, with NFL having a national model and very little, um, really no uh, local markets in terms of all the contracts are essentially national for the National Football League, as opposed to, let's say, the regional model for baseball, you know, ultimately, uh, and obviously there's blackouts and things like that when you're talking about if there's not enough fans watching a game, they might promote the more watched game in a certain area versus something else. But uh, that being said, it's another model to follow. It's another sports ideology, if you will, by following a league versus a team or an individual. And you can just love the game. And the purpose here is just to enjoy the game, the talent, and being different about the outcome. Uh, and let's be honest, uh, the aforementioned path when you're talking about uh, sports ideology, ideology from a team st or a league standpoint, and liking a league versus a team or a player, potentially going to save a lot of television or streamer controllers uh, headaches and heartaches. Right now, what is interesting about all of this? Right, we look at Nielsen. Nielsen is a group that tracks data, and specifically data in terms of how many people are watching live sports. And then they, of course, turn around and sell this data or use this data to, or businesses use this data to make business decisions. And, of course, Nielsen more recently has got into tracking streaming numbers, which was not done originally. And actually, they're going to include um, uh, 
numbers from uh, bars and restaurants in the future as well, when obviously things really begin to open up again on a, on a more substantial basis. And uh, But again, Nielsen's tracking this data now. Now, what's interesting about this is that where Nielsen is tracking streaming numbers of live sports television along with the traditional linear television model to really keep up with consumer cord cutting, cutting and getting away from linear and going into streaming, again, the whole point of cutting the cord, literally cutting the cord with, with, uh, with cable, but you still need the cord for Wi-Fi. But needless to say, um, viewership was still down in a season of seasons where most Americans and international viewers were at home with television and streaming access. So why was there a decline? Well, people can now reach their favorite athletes and teams in many other places beyond live sports television. For example, social media and sports apps like ESPN and Bleacher Report, your fantasy sports apps, uh, websites, the internet. There's just so many more ways to connect, right? YouTube, uh, all these different things. And with players putting out more content, you really get to connect with the player more. And there's an individualization of the player. And there's players, uh, even if you look at the social unrest as- aspect, and uh, it's something to be noted there too, as players have become more individual and more about their name, image, and brand, of course, they're going to push into politics and having uh, opinions on things as well. So there's definitely been an individualization of sports ideology, right, of the three. You know, you again, you can still have ideology in the sense of loving a league. You can have ideology in loving a team. But you can also, which is the growing area, having an ideology of loving a individual player. And, and looking up to that player, right? But I, I think, again, the availability of technology, applications, everything else, um, you know, it's really sort of shown an increase there. And actually, Jason Wittick, um, or Wittock, rather, uh, on OutKick did a great show where he's talking about how athletes are actually treated these days. And um, I definitely uh, encourage you to take a look at that. And he was looking at athletes in terms of uh, whether – uh, they're considered kind of like false gods, right? And um, I would definitely take a look at that. A very interesting show uh, with uh, Jason Wittock there and the um, Outkick show. But I think, if anything, right, when looking at the pandemic, it's proven that certain industries have become reli- uh, unreliable um, as it relates to shutdowns, social unrest, delays, and protocols to be followed, right? No fans versus fans. And professional sports leagues, despite their success in handling a pandemic in terms of hosting successful seasons and postseasons and playoffs and naming champions in uh, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL, and obviously with the football season ongoing, and obviously MLS, MLS's champion uh, was named as well, It's uh, they're not uh, without sort of harm or without change, right? There's been this big move to digital, and of course, a lot of the fans have kept up with um, and moved more towards the players as even when games weren't going on, you could still connect with the player uh, through social media and through other content, right? So it's just something to consider uh, as ideology and sports kind of changes, right? Now, you can also be a fan, uh, you know, if you're sort of a fan and you love, you have a uh, um, proclivity for data, and you love data, you love numbers, you love analytics, you know, sports-based platform applications like Bleacher Report and everything else out there, 
um, can make these numbers digestible and they can make it uh, easy to consume. Uh, you know, this whole thing with the smartphone, like having a smartphone and having access to immediate information, right? It does make things easier. Whether that makes us smarter, I don't know, but it definitely makes things easier. But what's interesting is that uh, this is going to be key too as sports betting increases because uh, you can, again, sort of access this data. You can access your bets all from your phone. Um, whether that's good or bad or not, we'll sort of see. I think from an economic standpoint, it's probably good for companies and good for people who win. But we'll see how that plays out uh, when things don't work out that way. But um, again, I think sports betting is something where you can, again, focus in on um, – you know, for the most part, betting is going to be focused on whether a team wins or whether a player does something in particular. So you're going to have sort of your ideology set in that space. But it allows for more individual nature of betting, though, too, because you can bet on a certain player. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. I think the question going forward will be whether fans continue their loyalty and follow their favorite teams on applications and streaming applications. Or do they choose the individual sports ideology, ideology pathway? Or maybe they choose both. Uh, but I, I think um, the advent, there's one takeaway I would say from this show would be the advent of sort of social media, fantasy sports, streaming, the internet, YouTube, technology in general, and more access to sports and individual athletes has created uh, an increase in an ideology of recognizing and identifying with the individual athlete over a team. So we'll see how that plays out in the future. Again, folks, appreciate you listening in. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Always honored and appreciate when you do listen in and uh, look forward to being back uh, with you next week. And if you haven't already, feel free to tell your friends and your family about the show. Um, Always uh, enjoy uh, spreading good information and, and having a good positive show and, and uh, educating folks. So, again, folks, thanks again for listening in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.